TCU lands a transfer commitment on the offensive and defensive line uh, over the weekend, and eight Horn Frogs got drafted. A historic day for TCU football in the draft. We'll talk about it all next on Lockdown Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked On Horn Frogs. We're brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also subscribe wherever it is you get your podcast. We're coming up on 600 subscribers on YouTube. So appreciate your uh, following there. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Steven on Twitter. The show is at LockedOnTCU. Frogs picked up a couple more players in the transfer portal. So we'll talk about that here in segment one. In segment two, a uh, huge weekend for TCU football. Eight players drafted. A lot of players going to the Los Angeles area, the Chargers, apparently huge fans of the TCU Horn Frogs. So that was really cool to see. But we'll start with a few additions to the TCU football roster. Um, one of these guys is not a huge surprise. We've been talking about him. We actually talked about him with uh, John Garcia on Friday. But Colton Deary, the Maryland offensive lineman, um, he is coming over to play for TCU. Big-time player. Um, and he will be there for the Frogs this upcoming season. Uh, 6'4", 320 pounds, appeared in 10 games as a true freshman and had two starts. So a couple good things here. One, the size obviously stands out at 6'4", 320. Also, he's just coming off his true freshman season, so he has a lot of eligibility left here. Um, He played some center. He's played some guard. He's an interior offensive lineman. That's what categorized as. I would not be shocked if he ends up being your starting center in 2023. Um, we talked about this before with O-line. You really want to get the best five guys on the field. Now, I don't want to act like like snapping the ball uh, and getting to your blocking assignment is a difficult thing to do. Like Steve Avila made it look really easy. He played center. Moving from center to guard, in my mind, is not a huge, is not a huge thing. Like it actually kind of takes some of your responsibility off. But uh, moving to center is a big deal. You have to find a way to get the ball to the quarterback. Um, and then typically you're having to reach defensive linemen. I mean, you have to get that snap off, step really quickly, and make a play, or get that snap off to somebody's head up on you, nose guard's head up on you, and you have to stand your ground or get a push um, immediately because that D lineman's right on top of you. And so it's a difficult thing to do. In spring camp, it did not seem like there was a lot of – a clarity on who the center was going to be. Um, Ezra Dotson, Oitade was was supposed to be kind of the guy. He was Arizona State transfer, and he got reps, but it was mainly, it seemed like, with the second and third team. Um, they tried John Lands at center. They tried Willis Patrick at center. And, and so I think either of those guys or, you know, Ezra could step up here in fall camp. It just didn't really seem like he was running with the ones a whole lot. Uh, but Deary gives you that position flexibility, but I would not be surprised since there is an opportunity at that center position if he ends up being the guy. And that would give you uh, the ability to slide John Lance and Willis Patrick there. Also, Garrett Hayes has had a lot of work at one of those guard positions. So it gives you some depth with your interior O-line. Um, Deary, again, we talked about a big guy, big-time recruit, uh, played big-time football at Maryland in the Big Ten, and was a, a state champion wrestler. 
in high school, so understands leverage, understands, um, you know, how to use his body, <clears throat> put on some weight in his first season. I'm sure Kyle Skazadi will continue to hone in on that and, and find the best way for him to play or the best size for him to play at moving forward. This was a big deal. Um, it, it seemed like as soon as he hit the portal, this was the way it was trending, but it was nice that they got it done. And now I I wouldn't be shocked if they added one more O-lineman, but I feel like they're in pretty good shape from an interior offensive line standpoint. Might want, you know, one more tackle on the outside. But if you, you got Coker and Coleman as your bookends, they played a ton of snaps last year at that tackle position. And then now you have the ability to kind of mix and match and see, okay, who's going to step up um, in, at the center and guard positions over the first few weeks of fall camp leading into the season. Uh, it's going to be really difficult to replace the steadiness and the consistency of the O-line last year because you had five guys who did not miss a start. You had a couple – you had one All-American, Steve Avila, who got drafted this weekend by the Los Angeles Rams in the second round. You had a really solid player in Alan Ali who uh, ended up you know, heading to the Minnesota Vikings on an undressed free agent contract. Yeah, a guy in Wes Harris who just played a ton of football <clears throat> and understood what he was doing. So that's going to be a tough thing to replace. But with Deary, with Patrick, um, with Hayes, with Lands, uh, Atade, I mean, they have a bunch of options to figure out who those best players are going to be. On the defensive line, they also landed a commitment from Tico Brown. He was at Missouri State this past season, was at Central Michigan the first three seasons of his career. Last season at Missouri State, 25 tackles, um, had half a sack, and plays that nose guard position, um, really good size, 6'2", over 300 pounds. And so I, I think he's going to be more of a depth piece, but he gives you an ability at that nose guard spot to give Dominic Williams some, you know, a breather here and there takes up space, takes up double teams, not going to allow guys to get, you know, an easy scrape or an easy combo block off to a linebacker. <clears throat> That's really important. You have to be able to re rotate guys in and out on the D-line, and so Brown comes over and he gives you someone who can do that. Still don't really know where this pass rush is going to come from. Um, I know they're working hard to find an edge guy. You know, Caleb Fox and, and Tymon Mitchell have sort of been working at those spots. Um, so far in the offseason, Paul Awale, Olawale is another young guy who has showed a lot of promise, showed some flashes in the spring game. They're going to need, you know, somebody coming off the edge <clears throat> that can make plays. But Tigo Brown gives you another player in the middle who can take up space, make things happen, and give you a push in the interior, which is uh, sorely needed each and every season. So those are your two commitments, Colton Deary, the offensive lineman from Maryland, Tico Brown, the defensive lineman from Missouri State. Both committed to the Frogs via the transfer portal this weekend. Uh, the portal window is now closed, which means in theory we shouldn't see any more TCU players entering the portal. You might have one or two guys over the next few days that are late announcements, but for the most part this roster should be set moving forward. And so you, you lost some guys, you brought some players in. You can still bring players in. That doesn't mean you can't recruit anybody anymore. There's still players that are uncommitted. But – um, there shouldn't be any more attrition unless you get maybe one or two guys with uh, some late news coming in the next few days. So TCU football adds a few guys. As far as former players who are headed to the next level, 
We'll talk about those draft picks and undrafted free agents from TCU in a moment. Before we do that, though, I do want to mention FanDuel. FanDuel, uh, NBA playoffs going on right now. If you want to get involved on the action, you can take advantage of FanDuel's bonus bets option right now. If you go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown, how it works is you put you put as little as $5 down. If you miss your bet, you make your first bet. If you miss on it, if you don't make any money, FanDuel can give you up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's a, a ton of opportunities. So if you're like, I don't really, really want to do this, I don't want to waste my money, <clears throat> put put that first bet on FanDuel, take advantage of that bonus bet program, and uh, get some more opportunities. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Official betting partner of the NBA. They have a safe, secure, and easy-to-use app. You can also do it just on your laptop. FanDuel, it's where the game starts. They're a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. So the NFL draft started on Thursday, and TCU really cleaned up in a huge way in the NFL draft uh, this weekend. Eight players, eight TCU football players were drafted. Outstanding weekend for TCU football. It started with Quentin Johnston, who went in round one, picked 21 to Los Angeles Chargers. There was some speculation that Quentin might end up, you know, really late first round or even the second round. Uh, but he ends up as one of the first wide receivers off the board going to the Chargers. He gets to learn from some great players like Keenan Allen to Mike Williams. Um, I'm so excited for Quentin to get to play with Justin Herbert. I mean, I, I talked about this in the Locked On Spotlight, his player spotlight, which is up on the YouTube channel if you want to check it out, Locked On Horn Frogs YouTube channel. But I said, you know, it'd be great if you could end up with somebody with a huge arm. And, I mean, with the exception of maybe Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen, Nobody has a bigger arm than Justin Herbert. And so he can make plays down the field. He can catch the ball, um, and they'll find ways to give him the football. Also, the Chargers, you know, they have a, a good creative offensive mindset. So I think they're going to move him all over the place like TCU did last year and try to give him chances to get the ball in his hands and make plays after the catch. Um, he doesn't come in necessarily as the dude, like with a ton of pressure on him. But Keenan Allen has dealt with a ton of injuries over the years, and so it is a chance for him to step up and kind of be the new face there for the Chargers. Really excited for Quentin. Um, he's made it happen from Temple, Texas to TCU, now to L.A. to play for the Chargers. Quentin Johnson headed to hook up with Justin Herbert um, and that explosive Chargers offense. That should be fun to watch. Uh, Steve Avila went off the board next in round two, pick 36 to the Los Angeles Rams. You know, Steve, in my mind, is the most NFL-ready player. I think he's going to slide in and immediately from day one be an impact guy. He's he's my best bet to be like a 10-year pro. Um, was outstanding his entire college career, three-year starter, two-time All-American. You know, you can play that guard position, you can play the center position, big body, you know, good feet, moves well, understands leverage, understands how to use that strength that he has. Should be fun to watch him. Um, for a Rams team that really struggled along the offensive line last year, uh, they're trying to bounce back after a, a tough season. But two years ago, they were Super Bowl champions. And so good organization there. Um, obviously, Sean McVay, outstanding coach. And so he – lands there in Los Angeles as well. That was sort of the theme for the night. But the next guy off the board in round three was Kendra Miller, um, and he goes to the New Orleans Saints. And so he'll be a good one-two punch there with Alvin Kamara. Um, Saints kind of moving on post Drew Brees and 
Kendra, I think there's a great chance for him to be a outstanding running back in the NFL. You know, he has such great contact balance. Rarely goes down the first time he gets hit. He understands, you know, where the hole is. He understands how to make explosive plays. I think he has more speed and explosiveness than people give him credit for. We saw that especially in that Texas game where he broke off that huge touchdown run. Uh, and, yeah, should be fun to see him working in that Saints offense. Um, and I think he'll have some good opportunities there behind Alvin Kamara as someone who can come in and spell him from time to time. Darius Davis, uh, or excuse me, before before Darius, Dylan Horton, round four, pick 109. He goes to the Houston Texans. Um, so good for Dylan. Great story. Safety that went to New Mexico, ends up coming to TCU, changing his body and becoming a defensive end. You know, we saw the strength and the ability to get to the passer, um, especially late in the season and in the playoffs against Michigan. Uh, and so he he joins that D'Amico Ryans-led Texans team. Will Anderson was also picked up by the Texans. Um, Dylan, I think if he can sort of figure out, you know, some more consistency on what pass rushing moves to use, get a better feel for the nuances of the position, and he'd be a successful player. At pick 125, also in round four, Darius Davis to the Chargers. And I was surprised Darius went this high, but um, somebody hit me up on Twitter. I'll try to find who that was and basically said, like, you can't teach that kind of speed. And that's true. And that's what the Chargers talked about. They were intrigued by the type of speed he had. That was Andy Swain that said that to me on Twitter when I mentioned that I was surprised Darius went that high. But I think the fact that he went round four tells you that the Chargers are not just going to use him as a special teams kick returner, right? Like, he is going to be part of their offense, whether that's, you know, in jet sweep situations, trying to find creative ways to give them the football or your more traditional short passes, that type of thing. Um, I don't think he's just going to be kick punt return player if they used a fourth-round pick on him. Uh, in round six and pick 182, Travis Hodges-Tomlinson, uh, also to the Los Angeles Rams. Um, so he ends up in L.A. as well with Steve Avila, uh, and Travis, you know, it, it was just because of the size where he went. He was a Thorpe Board winner. He was a great corner um, in college. He was a lockdown guy. I, I think he has a good chance of being someone who can play in, you know, nickel packages in the slot, um, guard those tough, those smaller wide receivers. But I, I'm going to bet on Travis Hodges Tomlinson um, because he, from the jump, you know, has been a dude. Like, I remember a true freshman, he came in because of injury, had to make some plays. And then from 2020 on, he was the best corner on this football team, ended up being the best defensive back in the nation this past season. And, you know, he's one of those dudes, if he was just a little taller, he would have been a higher draft pick. But I'll bet on him to make this happen. D winners in round six to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, he'll get to learn from a great defense there in San Francisco. And, you know, they showed his pick six against Michigan. Their Twitter account did when they picked him. Um, should have a good chance to make the roster there. And then finally, Max Duggan in round seven, picked 239 to the Los Angeles Chargers. Probably waited longer than he thought he was going to, uh, but he ends up at the Chargers, which I talked about Justin Herbert earlier. Good guy to learn from. You know, I think Max is such a great teammate and obviously has all those great intangible qualities. 
he's going to excel at whatever he does. But I, I feel like he has a great chance to be a really good backup in the NFL and maybe more as his career continues to go on. Um, so that was everything from, you know, the draft part of it. Also had some guys sign undrafted free agent contracts. Uh, I know Alan Ali ends up in Minnesota uh, where he'll be on an undrafted free agent contract. Uh, Tay Barber with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tay had so many clutch catches in his career. Um, I imagine he's the guy that's going to catch some eyes when he's there at camp in Tampa Bay. Gunnar Henderson got a camp invite um, with the New Orleans Saints. So he didn't sign a contract necessarily, but they're going to give him a look. The Saints are. Uh, and then Luol Gak, he got a camp invite from the New York Giants, I believe. And if I'm missing anybody, let me know in the YouTube comments. But that's all I saw as far as undrafted free agents. Oh, Amari DiMercato headed to San Francisco as an undrafted free agent. Uh, and so all those guys will have a chance to impress in camp. And if they don't make the team they're on, then hopefully they can put on some film in the preseason that would lead them maybe to another spot. Uh, we're going to wrap up with some baseball talk and – a few other spring sports that are entering the NCAA tournament. That's coming up next on Locked Up Horn Frogs. Okay, so TCU baseball played Texas this weekend, and because of the weather, they actually play their final game of the series today at 1 o'clock. But unfortunately, the Longhorns have already won the series. They won the first two games. One Saturday, I believe that final score was 8-5 to five over TCU. And then um, on Sunday, won 3-2 in a crazy situation. TCU had first and third, one out in the bottom of the ninth chance to tie it. Logan Maxwell swings to the first pitch, hits a shallow fly ball into left field. Porter Brown caught it and makes a throw. It wasn't a fantastic throw. It was a little off line, actually. But um, it was so shallow that the catcher got it, was able to recover, and tag Carson Bowen out at the plate. And so the Horns get a double play. They win 3-2, to two, and TCU is now 7-10 and 10 in conference play. I saw Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball say that they are – in danger of being out of the tournament at this point if they can't turn things around. Um, so they play Texas at 1 o'clock today. I'm not sure who's going to get the start. I imagine it's going to be Cam Brown. But another disappointing loss for TC baseball. They've now lost five Big 12 games in a row. Um, I thought they played better yesterday. They ran into a really good arm with LeBaron Johnson. Come out of the bullpen, I think he threw five and a third or six and a third of essentially shutout baseball. They scored two runs in the first two innings. Luis Rodriguez was solid. He went six innings, only gave up two runs. Um, and so it's his second start in a row where he's been quality. But against West Virginia last week, the bullpen blew it. And then this week, the offense just could not pick him up and help him out at all. It's something with his team every single week. Um, you know, I, I thought the DBU win might be a shot in the arm, but it hasn't been so far. Lucas Gordon, the Texas pitcher, pitched Saturday is really good. And I thought actually, you know, scraping out three runs against him was pretty solid. Um, but Cole Klecker, again, got touched up a little bit. Five home runs hit by Texas in that Saturday affair. You know, the elevated fastball that Klecker throws. Seems like teams are starting to barrel that up and drive it out of the ballpark. He's going to have to make an adjustment. But I think Klecker and Rodriguez both have been good, you know, since they've been the one-two punch in the rotation. But the team is still not getting it done. Uh, Tommy hit me up on Twitter and said, not sure what the answer is here. The pitching was great today. The offense was horrible as usual. Not enough hits when it matters. Seems to be the story of the season. Our best players need to play like it. And that hasn't happened for a while. Zero clutch from this team. Yeah, the situational hitting has been bad. Um, and, I mean, a runner on third, less than one out. That should be a run like 90% of the time. It hasn't been the case this year. And Logan Maxwell, to his credit, I mean, he elevated the ball 
He just didn't hit it deep enough <clears throat> to score that run. Um, and looking back at that replay, like that ball was up and in. I know he was eager to get the run in, but I think he could have taken that pitch and maybe tried to barrel something up later in that at bat. But the situational hitting hasn't been good. Um, and they just haven't been getting clutch hits, as Tommy said. Like the offense has struggled all year. Braden Taylor, the power is there, but that's been about it. The consistency hasn't been there. Um, Anthony Silva and Cole Fontenelle have been their best hitters this season, and both of those guys are newcomers. You know, guys like David Bishop, you know, he struggled. Um, Elijah Nunez, even though he's played better the last few weeks, he struggled at the plate. It just has not come together. For TCU baseball, the starting rotation has been a mess for most of the season. It seems like they found a little bit of stability with uh, Cole Klecker and Luis Rodriguez going one-two, but it's another year where your your two main guys, Ryan Vanderhei and Cam Brown, have just completely fallen apart and have fallen out of the rotation. And the pitching development of this program is the biggest concern for me right now because it's been a long time since they had a true ace of the staff. And guys that have talent and that have been around for a few years – just aren't getting it done. Um, and so I know there's a, a contingent of people right now that are ready to just blow up this coaching staff. I'm not quite there yet. I want to see how the season plays out first. But it's uh, – I guess I should say how the season ends, see if they can turn things around. I'm not very hopeful that they can. I'm just – I'm going to, you know, hold my judgment until the end of the year or at least until maybe this Baylor series. Because if they get swept by Texas, then – I don't really know what their tournament hopes are, but you're, you're probably talking about going five and one against Baylor and K State. And Baylor's the worst team in the league, but the way TCU's playing right now, I mean, I'm I'm not hopeful to get a sweep. And then Kansas State uh, just took two out of three from Texas Tech. You have to go to Manhattan in the last series of the season when there might be Big Twelve championship implications on the line for them. So, like, you know, that doesn't seem like something that they could do to go up there and win two out of three. Um, so things are bad right now, and that's all you can really say about it. The thing I will say about Kirk and the staff, I really like this freshman class. I like Anthony Silva. I like Carson Bowen. Um, you know, they've they've got some young arms, like the two freshmen that I mentioned. Also Chase Hoover, Jax Traeger, who we've seen occasionally this year, that are really good. And so if you just blow up this coaching staff, you lose all that talent. Now, there's also the possibility that you could lose that talent if you have a bad season. <clears throat> but that's kind of what I'm holding on to as far as the future, but if you just totally bottom out in here and completely miss the tournament, then, uh, yeah, that's a tough conversation to have, and some tough conversations need to be had at the end of the year because this season has just been a disaster, um, and they've completely underachieved. So we'll see if they can turn it around starting today against Texas when they play the Horns at 1 o'clock. Um, a couple more things. TCU Beach Volleyball. They start the NCAA tournament on Wednesday. They are the number two seed. In the NCAA tournament, there's 16 teams in the tournament. Um, and so a chance for the Frogs to win a national championship. If you don't know much about the sport, TCU has been, you know, number one and number two or number two for the majority of the season. Um, and they have a legit chance to win it all. They've lost two games this year. One of those games was to Grand Canyon, who's actually in their conference, and they could play Grand Canyon. Um, in round two, potentially, uh, because they're the two seed. Grand Canyon is a seven seed. They'll play Stanford in round one. And the other team they lost to is the one seed UCLA, but they would not play UCLA until a potential national championship game. Um, so good luck to them as they start the NCAA tournament. Also, TCU men's tennis selection show tonight. 
I presume they'll be the number two seed in the country as well, right behind Texas, who will be number one. Uh, and David Roditi and his squad have a good chance to go all the way. So those are some spring sports that are actually excelling, and we'll follow their tournament runs closely over the next couple of weeks. This has been Locked on Horn Frogs. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. It's your team every day.